Hey everybody, it's Heavy Ham. I'm here to talk to you about how easy it is to use Anchor to get your podcast out there. These guys are amazing to work with. They get you set up on every platform imaginable. Just recently I got set up on Google and Spotify and my listeners are coming in like crazy. It's free to get you set up with sponsors Like the ad you're listening to right now is for Anchor, the people that I'm podcasting through. It's amazing. So check them out. Go to anchor.fm slash start to get started or download the app through the Google Play Store or the Apple iStore. It's Anchor. It's free and it's simple. Podcast today. I can't wait to hear it. Welcome everybody, this is Heavy Ham, and this is another episode of the Hamcast. Now, in recent episodes, I've talked about several things as far as uh, Bigfoot and the subspecies. One in particular I mentioned... um, the district manager, and I mentioned, as far as the district manager goes, that they were the mountain giants, and um, I want to touch base on this, because I'm having some conflicting things when it comes to this. Now, on one side, my research prior to listening to Matt give his uh, speech and listening to a lot of his stuff and following his research prior to doing um, prior to all that stuff um, my research was showing that yes there were giants yes they were very some of them were very much alive um but I didn't know how they really fit in. Um, I did know that they had double rows of teeth, six digits. Some of them had scarlet red hair. Some of them had blonde hair. Some of them had dark brown hair. Um, so here's the problem with this. Um, these don't necessarily fall into the category I don't feel as a Bigfoot in my opinion. Um, They are cannibalistic. They do feed on human. Um, But they're more human than they are of ape. Um, What I mean by this is they are less hair. They have significantly less hair than what you would see on, say, a wood booger a wendigo, a skunk ape, um, even a grass man has more hair than um, your mountain giants um, in my research. Um, And what brings me to that conclusion is a synonymous, a very infamous um, 
report comes out of the desert of Afghanistan. It's known as the Giant of Kandahar. Um, and it, I'm going to touch base on that one real quick. Then I'm going to bring it all the way back home to my hometown here in the great state of Utah. Um, but real quick, the Giant of Kandahar... Um, it's kind of a scuttlebutt around the water, uh, scuttlebutt around the water cooler for military folk like myself. Um, it's kind of common knowledge for anybody within um, military rank. But um, also, that being said, um, you know, and you can go on YouTube and find some pretty credible accounts of what happened here just to kind of give you the bullet points um one special forces uh unit went out trying to capture or retrieve some kind of um creature is i believe the verbiage they used and when they didn't return, they didn't communicate back. Um, the powers that be sent out another unit with specific instructions to aim at the head and aim higher. Um, of course, the confusion on their faces became pretty clear when they saw what they were dealing with. Um, this man-like monster thing came running out of the um running out of a cave on the cliffside of afghan in the desert of afghanistan um apparently they had caught this creature um i say creature because um cannibalistic kind of takes you out of the evolutionary chain for human in my opinion um so um, and I know that's probably ignorant of me, but, uh, so, needless to say, they caught him mid-snack. He was apparently feasting on the first unit, and, uh, when he sensed or caught whiff that they were there, he came charging out of the cave uh, shield and lance in hand kind of paralyzed them with fear. One of the unit members began to fire, locked, uh, broke their par paralysis, muscle memory kicked in, they began firing, they emptied several clips into this uh, large mountain of a beast and, uh, took him down um according to reports he did have scarlet red hair he had double rows of teeth six digits on both hands and feet um his feet were two almost three times the size of a normal man's um and it was just it was a massive creature um they Ended up bringing in Chinooks, hoisting him up. I say Chinooks, um, 
because one of the reports actually reported that it was multiple Chinooks, and then one of the reports reported it was a single Chinook. I'm going with it was multiple, um, and because when you hear the report back from um, the actual people that were there, they say they brought in Chinooks. And for those of you who aren't familiar with what Chinooks are, these are the double-bladed, um, large cargo shoppers that can rotate their blades in different um, directions so they can actually appear as if they're hovering. So those are what Chinooks are. They came in, they threw down... Uh, some large cargo net which is the large square by square netting and hoisted this um this beast up and out of the desert once they got him back to um a, a facility of undisclosed origin they uh refused to you know, I mean, several people saw this creature. Several people were involved in the handling or mishandling, if you will, of this creature. And, uh, however, they refused to let, um, they did refuse. This is one thing they absolutely were adamant about. They refused to have cameras anywhere around the facility of this creature. Uh, then they loaded it onto a massive oversized pallet that could actually withstand the weight of him and loaded it onto a C-130. C-130s are used to transport large uh, militarized equipment such as tanks and stuff. So I can imagine it would be able to uh, transport something as massive as this large uh we'll say gentleman this large gentleman even though he was anything but gentle and uh where he went from there we don't know we have no idea what happened to him but um on a side note um for the giant of kandahar um a lot of speculation goes, um, in one of the videos, a lot of speculation goes into just what the giant of Kandahar is. Now, in the Bible, in the Bible, they talk about the fallen angels, the Nephilim. And this is even mentioned in the King James Version. They talk about the Nephilim, and they talk about the lances. And just so we're clear... The size of the lance, the size of this thing, to be ordered to wield it, you would have to be incredibly tall, incredibly large. We're not talking about just a spear, something that could be easily picked up and handled by just a normal average guy. Even Shaquille O'Neal wouldn't be able to pick up and wield this weapon. Um, the blade on it, Okay, the blade was as tall as a man. 
as tall as a large man. So the handle on it would have to be in proportionate to that. It'd have to be even longer. It had to be at least three to four times longer than the blade. So take, let that sink in a little bit, you know, let that kind of resonate. Um, just how tall this man or creature would have to be to be able to wield a lance that, that long, um, you know, and that heavy because it was made of a mixture of bronze and copper. So, um, and the Bible talks about those specific lances being handed to the fallen ones are the the sons of Enoch and um Enochian text I love I love I love this because a lot of people hear Enochian text and instantly a light goes on in their head oh that's the text of the angels the language of the angels it is but how do you know that if you've never a lot of people know it without even thinking about it. A lot of people hear Enochian and they just, they know. They've never read the book of Enoch. They've never seen a show where Enochian text was involved. They just know. They hear Enochian text or Enochian verb, Enochian armor, and they know Enochian is that of the angels. Um... So, it begs the question, how do we instinctively know that Enochian translates to angel? Is it something that is hard-stitched or hard-wired into our DNA that we know Enoch, angel, Enochian is angel? Do we know it just instinctively? You know, because I've talked to several people and I've said, well, you know, when you go back to the Enochian war and they're like, you're talking about angels. And I'm like, well, how do you know I'm talking about angels? Have you watched shows? Have you? And they're like, no. I'm like, you sure? And they're like, no, it just sounds like something somebody would say when they're talking about angels. And I'm like, You've never read the book of Enoch. And they're like, there's no book of Enoch. There is. I actually have a copy of the book of Enoch downloaded onto my phone. Thanks to modern technology, I no longer have to have the actual book of Enoch. But I do have a copy of it in my phone. And the book of Enoch states... Hold on one second. I'm going to pull it up while I have you guys listening. Okay, so do, 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 do. I'm just going to read chapter 10 verses 1 through 7. Then the most high, the great and holy spoke, holy one spoke and sent Azrael to the son of Lamech saying Say to him, in my name, conceal thyself. Then explain to him the consummation, 
which is about to take place. For all the earth shall perish, the waters of a deluge shall come over the whole earth, and all things which are in it shall be destroyed. And now teach him how he may escape, and his seed may remain in all the earth. And again the Lord said to Raphael, Bind Azazel, hand and foot, cast him into darkness, and opening the desert, which is in Dudeo, cast him in there, throw him in hurled and pointed stones, covering him with darkness. So, Dudeo, Okay, Dudeo was an actual place. I looked, I did a lot of homework, a lot of research this morning to find Dudeo. In ancient times, the map would have put that, and even today, it puts it just east of Jerusalem. Okay, right outside of the western part of Afghanistan. Now, in the desert of Afghanistan, a giant, a Nephilim, was found alive and well. It wasn't just military military people who encountered this this Nephilim, okay? The people of the surrounding area knew of the cannibalistic giant. They paid tribute to this cave giant, this god of the area. They, They called him a god. There is record that they paid tribute. Now, when I say paid tribute, I mean they would send one to five people at a time as a sacrificial offering to the god of the cave in this area to make him happy so he would not come down into their village and feast upon their flesh. And this would take place every full moon. This has been going on until he died. And I I, I don't know I don't know the exact length of time from when he woke to when he died, but there's several accounts from the military from when the military people found out about him when they were talking to the locals and they were saying well do you know of this do you know where we can find and they said yes he is up there and they warned the first unit not to go that he is he is of godly origin He is not to be trifled with. They will anger him and they will have to pay the price. And we kept assuring them, you will not be, you will not have to worry. We will take care of this. We know what we're doing. We kept reassuring this village, not that we will not anger their 
quote-unquote God that we are going to rid them of this need for sacrifice. Well, we did just that. We rid them of that need. However, um, I would also like to point out um, that many places where these fallen angels or these Nephilims or as many people are calling them giants um, turn up or seem to be located or transported to or they just seem to just fall off the face of the earth and disappear um, great places of worship seem to erect or be displayed Um, you know just like I said Sacrificial offerings. Um, I looked in that village. Okay. I found the village that was closest to the closest cave I could find. Now, I may be off because they did not actually disclose the location of the cave where they had their encounter. And it's redacted. Um, Nobody will actually tell you where that event took place. I, I may be wrong of the actual location and the actual building and all this other stuff. But there is a pretty large temple in this little, like, town area just west of Afghanistan. Kind of like a, mon- a mosque or something. Um, and it got me thinking. Started festering a theory. And I'll get to that theory here in a second. We're going to bring the concentration all the way back here to Salt Lake for a moment. Do, 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 do. So. Let's jump. Let me find my notes real quick here because my notes are kind of fell and as you heard at the beginning of this, kind of had a bit of a misfortune with my notes. Um, so here in Utah, right outside of Manti, there was there's a cave, um, and I can't remember what it's called. That's why I'm trying to find my notes. So many notes on so many things. That's why I need to get a laptop or a computer and start typing this stuff up and organize it. Because these are all handwritten notes. They're not... um, They're not actually... place in any specific order. Here we go. Okay. That's about the dogman. It's about my encounter with Bigfoot. That's going to be a whole nother uh, 
Okay, here we go. There's part of it. So there is, okay, anyway, there is um, a cave out in um, Mansai. I wish I could remember the name of the cave. But to, um, that's interesting. To, um, to, giants were found in this cave and uh, what I found so interesting about this instance was um, that not only did Um, not only did they find the two large giants one was male, one was female Okay, they both had scarlet red hair again um, now like I said at the beginning of this there have been reports of them having blonde hair there have been reports of them having black uh, or not black but dark brown hair they don't always have scarlet red hair but for some reason the scarlet red hairs are the ones that are most most reportedly found. Um, so they found t- uh, this guy uh, found two bodies in this cave, and they were a pretty substantial size. And, uh, he also found, um, in there, some relics, uh, you know, armor, the lances, uh, shields, headdresses, depicting, uh, snake gods and whatnot. Um, so he found a lot of artifacts within this cave not too far from where this cave is said to be. And he actually did disclose pretty close to where the... And he didn't give the precise details, uh, the precise location. But he did take a few, quite a few people up to this, up to the location. And having the technology we have now, um... There was a guide who just recently put out a video who spoke at great length as to a rough location as to how to find the cave. And he said that if you go to the Manti Temple uh, and you head to the back of it and you look just, uh, if you look just south, you'll see the entrance to the cave. Now, I go past, um, I go, I've never been out to Manti, but, um, I think I've been out there once or twice my entire life, 
I haven't been out there recently. I want to go back now that I know all this. But luckily we have Google Earth. Um, so I scrolled. That's not really from where the cave... I marked it on the map from where it is to where the temple is. That's significant. And I actually started looking at the uh, terrain. The uh, overall... Uh, the overall area from the cave is significantly different from the surrounding area. Um, what I mean by that is it seems more lush, it seems more, uh, Garden of Eden-like, I guess, is the best way to put it. And the same goes for, there is, um, a place called the the Havarta Dam, or, I'm probably massacring the hell out of that, but, um, there's a dam down there in not too far from where the Afghanistan thing is as well. But there's a dam where supposedly the rest of the fallen angels are kept. And a lot of the mil- a lot of the militarized guards they don't like going down there. Um it's kind of a prison um for not just for the fallen angels, but for people who have done unspeakable things. It's kind of a black black site, if you will. And so when people have to take, when the guards have to take people down there, they'll actually draw straws. Um, I'll actually... I'll add another segment to this. I'm going to look up the name of that dam. But when you look at the overall area, it looks really auspicious. It looks too militarized. And then you look at the water and you look at the surrounding area and it's really lush. It's really green. It's really crystal clear. And you look at that same area prior to um, prior to recent years when um, prior to the mil- the um, we're gonna how can I put this prior to the military being influenced there and there's no lushness there's no uh, crystal clear water there's none of that and I'm not saying the military is taking care of it that'd be you know that's not in their forte um, but not too far from that there is yet another mosque or a temple or a place of worship now what is important about this is um, here in Utah and of course around the world as well the LDS has a huge influence um but here in utah especially um we do this or not we i'm not lds um but they do this thing okay they have these temples and they're erected all they're erected all over uh 
Utah. But what brought me to my theory, especially after hearing about the Manti Cave and the Manti Temple being that close to it and comparing it with the other three sites that I just told you about, um, you have to be temple-worthy to get into these temples. I know, temple-worthy. Um, I don't know exactly how they define temple-worthy. I think you have to go through some kind of test or you have to prove yourself to the person in charge of defining who, how you're temple-worthy or something. I don't know. But you have to be temple-worthy. And I know you have to be married in order to... That's one of the requirements. But not only do you have to be temple-worthy... Okay, your faith cannot be shook. You have to have true faith. Now, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, faith is easy. No. They always preach to you in these churches that if you're praying and they're just words, then they're just words. But if you have true faith, if you're a true believer, then a piece of you stays in that building. Okay? Same with these temples. And it's been that way since the dawn of time, since man started erecting statues of gods and temples to pay sacrifices or tributes to the gods. When true believers would pay homage or pay tribute or pay sacrifice to the gods, a piece of them, a piece of their aura or their life force, if you will, stayed at that temple to feed the gods this is working into my theory so bear with me okay in the LDS temples there are these chambers these chambers that only a select few get to go into and they do these things called baptisms for the dead um It, I was working on a theory that quite possibly they, and part of this, part of this theory, before I even go into that, um, I actually found part of that note, let me pull it out real quick, um, there is this gentleman, he's part of a, an organization, He's probably no longer around anymore. But he was part of an organization known as the Holy Ghost Commandos, or Spearfield Strike Force. Now, what these people were responsible for doing was remote traveling, or astral traveling, spiritually, to find the fallen angels, and bound them, and put them where they belonged. He did this to several angels. He talked about it in a speech that he did on YouTube. This guy was very, very credible. and I don't doubt for a second he believed what he did. I believed that he believed what he did. Um, And, uh... He actually did this to two while he was in Rome. Later that day, or later 
that day, he ended up getting a call from two of his unit, two members of his unit, and uh, they asked him some random questions to confirm whether or not they, because whenever one went into the astral or the spiritual, the spirit walk, he would pull the rest of the unit in. So they wanted to confirm that it was actually happening. So they would ask a question or two to confirm and then confirm with the rest of the group that they had experienced it. And it was confirmed later on that week. He confided in his, uh, the local pastor of the church. Um, and the pastor pulled him aside and he said, I want to thank you for giving the church the power back that we've needed all this year, all these years. That church is, that church's flock. Okay. By flock, I mean group of attendants and believers grew tenfold. So, he locked two fallen angels, bound them by chains, handed down by some force above him, and brought them to be held in the basement of a church not more than two blocks down from his house. And every time, every time people would go to pray and truly pray at that church, it seemed like things went better for that church. So, my theory is that if a fallen angel is within the vicinity of an erected building of worship or an erected temple of worship, and true believers are putting their energy into these buildings, it is in an essence feeding that entity, giving them a piece of their life force, giving them a piece of our life force, giving them something to substantiate life, possibly giving them the potential for reawakening. Thus, we go back to Kandahar. Azazel may have been bound under the desert next to a temple. The true faith, the true believers were down were in that mosque praying constantly because remember we're in Afghanistan. These guys will pray sometimes for hours. All that faith, all that energy reawakened Azazel. Then he awakens. And they continue to pay respect, pay tribute, pay sacrifice to Azazel. They know not of Azazel. They know not of who he once was. They just know that he is who he is. 
Is it possible that the giant of Kandahar was at one time Azazel and we killed a son of Enoch? It is possible. But do I firmly believe that the Nephilim, the giants that once conspired and uh, mingled or fornicated with humans and gave us the tools and the knowledge that was forbidden to us are now the district managers. Seems a little far-fetched. Um, possibly. Possibly. Um, possibly their offspring are the district managers. Because in that same book, the Book of Enoch, it states that their offspring were told that they would live for 500 years. That they would beg for eternal life. But that they would live for 500 years. That their offspring was three, was a... Uh, was 30 cubits which I looked online and 30 cubits was 300 feet or 450 feet which is 300 uh, 300 cubits I'm sorry it was 300 cubits 300 cubits is 450 feet which is roughly the same size if you think about it as Noah's Ark which brought me to another theory, but we'll touch base on that in the next segment. Um, I've got to get ready for a meeting. I hope you all enjoyed this segment. We will dive a little deeper down this rabbit hole as we continue the Nephilim, the Book of Enoch, and what really lies in the hidden mystery that we were meant to forget. Thanks for listening. I'm Heavy Ham. And don't forget, we're always searching.